Hello, welcome to the Science Basement podcast. And it's September and the new academic year has started. So now the Department of Physics here at the University of Helsinki is full of new students. Yes, they're all young and happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go straight to our guest. This week we have Johanny Wovelin, who is university lecturer at the University of Helsinki and is also the PI, which means the principal investigator of one instrument called the Solar Intensity X-ray and Particle Spectrometer, or six. Uh, on board a spacecraft called BepiColombo, which is a satellite that is going to be launched towards Mercury on the 19th of October, like next month. So welcome, Yuani. Thank you. Uh, Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So this BepiColombo is a very, very exciting mission from uh, ESA and JAXA, so the European Space Agency and the Japanese uh, Space Agency. Do you want to tell us something more about it, and especially about the instrument that you are PIO? Ah, yeah, Pepikalombo is actually a complicated, the most complicated satellite that ESA has built ever. Oh. Uh, it consists of two, two uh, scientific modules, uh, these MPO, Mercury Planetary Orbiter, that has now a nickname, Bepi, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, MMO, Mercury Magnetospheric Orbiter, that uh, there was also a nickname for that. Neo, uh, I think. Yeah, Neo. yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just saw it late, lately. Uh, and uh, there are 11 instruments uh, on board, uh, MPO, and uh, I think six instruments on MMO. And the uh, instruments of MPO are, have been built uh, by several countries. ESA member states, and also one of the instruments is built by Russians. Mm. And uh, then uh, the MMO instruments all are built by in, in Japan, but there is participation, for example, in one of the instruments of the MMO spacecraft, uh, there's participation uh, uh, from FMI, the Finnish Meteorological Institute. So, so the, it is a sort of a big picture of Pepicalombo, and because there is the um, long cruise to Mercury, about seven years after its launch, until it reaches the permanent orbit around Mercury, uh, there is a transfer module that attaches these two spacecraft together, and and, uh, then uh, has a propulsion system that then uh, transfers the spacecraft or, or the space probe, mm-hmm. as you can say, because it's not uh, uh, Earth orbiting satellite. It would be a satellite orbiting planet Mercury, but makes a cruise and then is a probe probing the <laughs> solar system. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> driven by so-called electric propulsion system. Uh, the power for the uh, motor this engine is created by the collection of solar panels of, of electric power in, in large batteries and then this transferred to um, an ionization chamber where uh, uh, noble gas, I think it, it might be xenon or argon, or argon, I don't remember uh, exactly, uh, that is ionized in the chamber and uh, by electric field is driven the uh, 
half of the ions is are driven from the back outside to the space, and that creates acceleration that is very weak because there's only a few tens of millinewtons force involved, but uh, it creates this kind of acceleration in space, and since there's no friction, mm -hmm. there's the air in the space, it uh, eventually can accelerate uh, the spacecraft to much higher speed than these uh, uh, regular uh, engines that are used for uh, for the launch, for example. So, so there are these uh, uh, specialties in this. Yeah. Biggest uh, space mission is a um, most complicated and uh, this new electric propulsion and, and uh, these uh, two modules and the uh, target that is very close to yeah, the to sun. The sun to the, yes. Uh, what, what will happen actually to the transfer module after, after the two, after MMO and MPO are released? Will it go, will it crash into Mercury? No, uh, it continues orbiting, uh, uh, orbiting the, uh, uh, the Mercury uh, by itself. Okay, in but, a separate but obviously orbit, it, it, it won't be colliding anything. Yeah, but obviously it will not take measurements because there no, are no, no, no. It, 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 it sort of uh, contains this uh, this transfer equipment and uh, mm -hmm. and it has no use after the yeah, yeah, after so. the separation. And I have a question. So you're launching it next month, and it's arriving around twenty twenty five. Yeah, year, at the end of twenty five. <laughs> okay, why Mercury? Uh, Mercury is the closest planet uh, in the solar system to the Sun, and it's very interesting because it has peculiarities. For example, its magnetic field is uh, it's it's not normal for that kind of um, iron planet we call them. These uh, that are not on a gas planets we call them uh, uh, sort of iron, iron or uh, this kind of uh, planets that are consists of uh, firm surface and and. Uh, there is a peculiar magnetic field that is uh, very, uh, it's not symmetric at all, not, not like uh, far from that of the Earth. And uh, near the South Pole is much stronger than near the North Pole. And uh, no one knows why. <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. it's stronger than it's expected to be, and uh, there is this kind of uh, uneven distribution that we want to actually find out with Pepe Colombo. That's one of the targets of investigation there. And uh, then uh, there is a atmosphere and a magnetosphere at Mercury. Uh, and uh, the fact that there is this magnetic field that creates the magnetosphere, it's, it's also a, sort of a... We want to know why. Because yeah, but because Mercury, let's say, like it looks a bit like the Moon, yeah. but they are completely different because yeah. Mercury is so small, but still has a, its own magnetic field. Yeah, 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 and and, and that, that that's one of the reasons uh, why we go to Mercury, and. Uh, other reasons are because it's so close to the sun, the gravitational field is very strong. And again, it has been studied earlier, and there has been this uh, proof of uh, the uh, Einstein's theory of general relativity, of a bending of light, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and also the, uh, the, um, the shift of uh, Mercury's uh, uh, peri astron, uh, the, 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 the orbit shifting uh, is. Uh, has to be explained using the general relativity theory. Otherwise, uh, 
it it it's, uh, it is not it cannot be explained by 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 uh, by uh, uh, classical physics. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this proof, but uh, with the laser experiment that is on board, Pepi uh, Colombo, MPO, the uh, the uh, anomalies of this gravitational field are can be investigated so that we know the detailed structure of the gravitational field and that also gives in addition to sort of the connections to the general relativity uh, some understanding of the what is in the depths uh, under the surface of mercury yeah well, that, that sounds super interesting and is your we will call it your instrument uh, six is it on mpo or an, on mmo it is uh, on mpo, MPO that is the, okay. the european oh, spacecraft yes. oh yeah that's yeah. true <laughs> the mmo is it jaxa uh, it's japanese, japanese side, yeah, side. yeah yes yes uh, so what what are you planning to what kind of measurements are you expecting from from six uh, six measures uh, x-rays uh, and particles the X-rays are measured in a so-called soft X-ray range, uh, 1 to 20 kilo electron volt X-rays. And uh, we measure a spectrum uh, from which we can actually derive, uh, for example, we could uh, derive uh, the uh, uh, chemical composition of uh, the sun. But we know that the reason uh, for those measurements is uh, to actually uh, give a component for the analysis of measurements by the sister instrument called MIX <laughs> that has been built in the United Kingdom. Okay. MIX measures uh, the X-ray glow of the surface of Mercury. And in order to understand or measure the uh, chemical composition that can be seen in the spectrum, we need the spectrum of the input radiation that, uh, that causes this glow. So uh, then we can use standard analysis methods uh, to, to uh, from the, the fluorescence analysis to, to actually derive the exact amounts of different elements that we can see in the spectrum. And uh, that's why we have, that is the uh, main reason of having six on board Pepe Colombo to enable the measurements of chemical composition of mercury surface. But uh, uh, there is secondary uh, interest in the X-ray spectra as well. My personal interest, I'm an astrophysicist, I want to uh, understand uh, the uh, dynamics of the solar corona, which is very hot. The basic temperature of the solar corona is millions of degrees, and during the actually the biggest uh, explosions in the solar system called flares on the sun, it can rise to hundred million degrees. Yep. Uh, very big bumps. Yes. <laughs> like trillion atomic bumps, the biggest bumps that the human could build. <laughs> Just once, uh, and uh, the uh, there is understanding of the mechanisms how the solar corona or stellar corona. There are a lot of stars that have similar structure. They have this corona called solar type stars. It's uh, it's, it's basically known how it has been built. It was explained by Parker, American scientist who still is alive, old man, Parker. Uh, uh, 
could explain the mechanism how the corona works. But uh, the exact uh, uh, structure of the corona, its connection to the magnetic field and the magnetic phenomena that are connected to, for example, the flares and the other phenomena, big phenomena called CMEs, coronal mass ejections, uh, that are connected to the solar activity, it's not well understood in, in, in a quantitative sense. And uh, uh, the measurements of six, the X-ray measurements help understanding of this and put forward the research. We cannot find the final answer. There's no final answer in anything. Uh, I think so. Uh, but we can put forward the uh, understanding, a uh, quantitative understanding of the uh, the structure of corona. Since Pepe Colombo will go close to the sun, uh, much closer than we are now, uh, we can get uh, more accurate measurements of these events. And uh, so that is uh, uh, roughly <laughs> the part I could talk about. Uh, a month about this, but uh, it's roughly uh, the uh, task of the X-ray, uh, uh, X-ray uh, sensor system. <laughs> there are three sensors that look at different parts of the sky, so that uh, whatever the attitude of uh, six or the Pepe Colombo MPO spacecraft is, uh, one of those six uh, detectors can see the sun because the um, radius of the, or, or the diameter of the field of view is 100 degrees so so we can see half of the sky all the time mm, okay. <laughs> and somewhere there is the sun that is so intensive that uh, it can be distinguished and uh, practically all of the x-rays come from the sun when we do the measurements but then there is this particle sensor system uh, that measures the solar energetic particles very high, highly energetic uh, electrons and uh, protons. So uh, these uh, are connected as well to the solar activity and solar events. And uh, it's, a, a, you know, an entity where there's X-rays and then there are particles. And now we can do with six, we can do uh, uh, actually study all the aspects of mm -hmm. this uh, and also, I I expect that Pepe Colombo will will help understanding what's the impact of these big solar eruptions on Mercury, which is so close to the sun, with respect to us. Yeah, for example. yeah, 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 yeah. That is something that can be derived directly from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how we do science. We can't put all kinds of instruments. We have to derive. Uh, measurements from other instruments. Yeah, to, yeah, to, and, to and, and the uh, the, all the other instruments serve a certain purpose to get a sort of a more complete understanding, more memory, much better than the previous missions have given. There was a uh, US mission called Messenger yes. that uh, ended its path, uh, um, uh, I'd say, a few mm. years ago. Yeah, in 2015, I think yeah, it was yeah. crashed into Mercury. Yeah, and uh, that was already, I was in one of the meetings. Uh, that was actually in the old place where FMI was in uh, 2001 or two, uh, where the, there was a NASA representatives who uh, presented the plan for Messenger, and already there was the knowledge that uh, ESA would have the 
plan for Pepe Colombo and then their own Mercury mission. And they said that uh, Pepe Colombo definitely will be more, much more valuable because, because it's a strategic mission. <laughs> the Americans uh, divide these uh, all things uh, to strategic and just to uh, things that they do with certain amount of money. So Messenger is, was a mission that was done with a sort of limited amount of money. Mm-hmm. The most they could do with that money. <laughs> That's not strategic. <laughs> no, yeah. While Pepe Colombo is very expensive, but it can produce hundred times more accurate science. Yeah. Better science. Than and there's a messenger. lot more instruments. And also yeah. this, I, I'm I'm very afraid about knowing what will happen, like with this double uh, orbiter, one one outside, like one in the magnetosphere and one really close to the yeah, planet. Yeah, it's yeah. really really exciting to think about all the science. That yeah. Come out and they, this. you know, they have these different orbits. The magnetosphere orbiter has a has actually a very eccentric, long orbit. Yeah. Yeah. It goes far away and then closer. But uh, the MPO uh, is all the time much closer. So it's taken years, so a decade to to plan this mission. How do you how do you start planning it? What do you consider, and how do you start designing your instruments? Uh, considering ESA project, uh, we need a lot of documentation. ESA is famous for this uh, bureaucracy and a lot <laughs> of documents. Uh, we do it in the ESA way. All the time, all the time, so that uh, we create uh, a lot of documents uh, first. The requirements, what it actually should produce. I, I mean, the scientists' view, what they need to know. The scientific question is the sort of the basis of starting this kind of thinking of uh, having a new mm-hmm. new mission or new instrument. Whether there was already a mission that uh, served the purpose, there's no use of making you. <laughs> but uh, that's why it's very important to understand what you want to want to uh, achieve, the scientific goals that were, that were set for all these kind of uh, space missions first. And then uh, we start to derive what kind of measurements would lead to this new knowledge. First the scientific questions and then what measurements and then after that we start thinking of what technologies would uh, (laughs) actually (laughs) conduct these kind of measurements and then uh, after knowing this say uh, for the x-rays we want to know the spectrum of the sun uh, from 1 to 20 ke because it's traditionally the range where the standard uh, flare intensities are given. Uh, it was in, in, uh, invented in the 1970s when this X-ray uh, space science was actually practically begun. Uh, then uh, we uh, wanted to understand because we want to know the chemical composition that these measurements have to give you a picture of a spectrum that can where you can distinguish the spectral lines. <laughs> and then we know that the X-rays are emitted in so and so big intensities, how big aperture and how sensitive the instrument needs to be. And from that knowledge, we start to understand if you know some uh, some detector technology, what kind of detector would give you this kind of data. And so we ended up 
for six. We ended up uh, to a silicon detector, <laughs> a spectroscopy silicon detector that is manufactured by these and these, these companies, and we started selecting the company who would make it, and then 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 uh, started to make the plan with with the, the, this. Uh, company who actually can make the technical design of, of the of the device and uh, then there is this uh, there are three factors actually in the design of uh, space instruments that are important mass because it's expensive to uh, just to go, go to, <laughs> to, to space with yeah. a lot of mass and bring it to the space and then there is the power consumption expensive to produce power you need more solar panels and batteries you need to save mm -hmm. this as much as possible and uh, then there's this telemetry they yeah. are far away it's in the space yeah. and you need the stronger antenna to send uh, the telemetry if you have a lot of telemetry so how to how to make uh, the least telemetry that actually transfers the needed data uh, to 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 ground where it's then investigated and processed. So these are the three basic parameters that actually determine the baseline of... Of a mission. Yeah. And you have to try to, to save as much more money as, it, as you can. Yeah, yeah, and find the latest technology that is reliable. Mm -hmm. Because in space, uh, if you take a new technology, there's a long path from the idea of a new technology application in space to the actual space instrument that flies yeah. because you need to do a lot of testing and development uh, and since you cannot actually have a service uh, in space for any any kind of technological experiment so that uh, someone would uh, actually make it work after it fails mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. so they have to be very reliably made and without without any bugs in the software etc yeah, because yeah, you you can you can just send someone to fix. Obviously, uh, speaking of telemetry, uh, I will work when well. Actually, this is a problem. I mean, a problem, a, a question that can be asked to any spacecraft which is orbiting a planet. How does it work when when the spacecraft or the planet that the spacecraft is orbiting is behind the sun compared to Earth? So the, the spacecraft has to wait before sending back the data, right? Because it can't point this antenna towards the sun. Yeah, there is a, a lot of data storage, for example, at Pepe Colombo and in all spacecraft. So it is there temporarily stored until there is a visibility, yeah. a direct path of light to or, or radio waves to to the Earth and the, to the ground station. And uh, now. Depending on this occultation time, when it cannot be seen or there is no connection, we have to design this kind of data storage to be big enough to be able to collect all the oh, data. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then this is this is a all all the parts of the work when you design a space mission are difficult and complicated and nasty. <laughs> <laughs> But, but uh, uh, it's necessary to do a very detailed planning and uh, it is checked by, by uh, 
reviewers and I have also been been uh, I'm in the review panel of the Pepe Colombo uh, science ground segment uh, there were hundreds of documents to read through <laughs> I didn't have to read uh, through them all because <laughs> <laughs> only a few of them but uh, so this uh, bats are made very carefully and calculations are made to actually ensure that it really will serve the purpose and there you know, you know uh, failures there is contingency you know, in the storage space uh, so that uh, uh, if, if some part of fails then you can replace something else and, and some other part of the memory and uh, and uh, the systems that uh, now uh, are made so that there is uh, full compliance with the needs they talk about this term is compliance. There's a compliance matrix in very big compliance matrix in all the requirements and against all how it's done, so that then you can state compliant, compliant in every every detail as compliant before it's accepted for production. Exactly, or, or build, build it. Yeah, For build. example, uh, uh, Pepe Colombo, we made actually the uh, plan was to start uh, the development of the uh, spacecraft and instruments in 2002, but it was postponed for two years. Uh, because it was so complicated that uh, first they had even a lander in plans. Oh. But they got this first feedback from the uh, main contractors like uh, Airbus or others uh, in, in Europe that are these companies that can actually manage the whole big space projects. Uh, and they got feedback that, wow, Freistag was too big. <laughs> they had to just uh, throw it away in the plan. Uh, and, uh, and then this... Uh, plan evolved and then there was the so-called announcement of opportunity to the ESA member states that uh, these and these kind of instruments are needed to for the purpose of this mission and they knew actually in advance which countries were interested in building these instruments and it took several years to actually build the uh, understanding of what kind of spacecraft and instrument set would be able, would, uh, could be made mm. before the official announcement of opportunity was <laughs> was released and then even then after that we did in Finland we had a, a spirit, uh, Tekes project, a big technology project uh, I ran this uh, project to make the proposal there's a very big bunch of uh, tens of copies of uh, the same documents uh, for the proposal and then and uh, everything on uh, uh, 10 CDs uh, as well for for the review panel to evaluate whether our proposal is compliant with the requirements set and that was a big job it was actually a even even that making the proposal was a big project. <laughs> yeah, <obviously>. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, then when it was accepted, uh, then the real work started, and we already had a very detailed proposal uh, plan how what kind of instrument we make. But uh, throughout the years it evolved, and uh, and uh, it is um, 
uh, well, the, the baseline uh, functionalities are the same in the six instruments, for example, but uh, how it looks like and uh, all the tiny details are quite different <laughs> since uh, understanding of what we should build evolved and that's why we have had uh, maybe a dozen different versions of the instrument uh, they are so-called model philosophy that contained only a structural turner model electrical model and then a qualification model and flight model and flight spare that is the official set of these uh, different versions of the development versions of the instrument. But uh, we built a lot of uh, different kinds of subsystems, call them first the breadboard. <laughs> it sounds funny, the term. That is a technical system. It can be on the table, separate elements of the system that are spread all over the table and connected with electrical and data wires so that the functionality is the same as for the final instrument without any kind of box where it is or whatever. And this is from where it starts. And there are different developers for each of them because Actually, uh, I have a system engineer that understands the whole entity. I also understand it, not so in detail, that I, I could actually sort of make some kind of things in, in, in the electrical system, but uh, the system engineer knows all the details, but there is a manufacturer of each of the parts. The detector system, then the uh, front-end electronics, back-end electronics, <laughs> telemetry system, and power. Mm. And uh, th these are done by different different uh, companies usually. So it is a very complicated uh, uh, collaboration for, uh, with, with, with several, several uh, stakeholders, so to say. And, and uh, because... Uh, the understanding of, for example, the, of the requirements, uh, think on ESA, who has set this project, they have also got feedback when, uh, for example, uh, um, Thales or, or, or Airbus has started to make the components, uh, the understanding of uh, the problems, although it uh, in their proposal, it seemed to be quite clear. They, they, they got feedback from the engineers that, oh no, it doesn't work like that. Plan's bad. <laughs> that may change the plan and that has propagated into consequences in our instrument. <laughs> and, and that's why we also need to make changes due to the changes in the central system. And and also some there are always because there are millions of details in this kind of project. Uh, they have made mistakes. <laughs> those who make the requirements, and then we we have to just deal with them. And and the uh, there is a consequence uh, considering this economical part. The science instruments in ESA projects are. Uh, built and also funded by the country that commits to mm. doing it. And uh, 
And therefore, the spacecraft is uh, baked by ESA itself and, 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 and also the uh, operation when it's uh, doing its work is paid by ESA. But uh, the instruments are the responsibility of those who propose them. Oh, okay. And uh, and uh, th- therefore it is not uh, very good if ESA changes uh, a lot these requirements because because we have uh, made a budget uh, and, and if that's a very big budgetary influence then then, then it's a problem. But it, uh, this is something that makes more complication. But it is not a very big complication as for the European Space Agency. I have to admit that they are really careful and they they do not propagate unnecessary influences like that to, to, to the instrument teams often or very little these kind of problems. But uh, for example, our team, we made our best when we made a plan, and then uh, we, uh, I had to submit a funding proposal to the national funding agency. That is, in this case, it was TECES, and uh, doing our best to estimating the budget. No, it's been fourteen years uh, for building it. Uh, in the beginning, uh, the plan was uh, built in six years, <laughs> and then uh, is as. Uh, sort of shifted the launch further and further because the uh, the manufacturer of the satellite has said no 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 we can build in that fast and 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 um, uh, this has uh, increased the need of work and and uh, there has been these changes and uh, and uh, in theory okay it was six year project and cost so so much but in 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 fact now. The reality has been that it has been 14 years <laughs> <laughs> and, and almost the same ratio of, of, of the funding needed. <laughs> so so uh, this, is, this, is, this is the, the true life mm-hmm. experience. I have been, um, I have uh, run, uh, be the leader of a free space, uh, big space project in Finland. Uh, first was uh, the uh, GEMX uh, uh, instrument for integral satellite. It's the gamma ray satellite of ESA that's still operating. I, I actually led the project for the for the Finnish part. We made the sensor units in Finland, and then there was the Smart One uh, first moon mission to of of the European Space Agency, and uh, there was the first version of this X-ray spectrometer called X-ray uh, Solar Monitor. And I, I was leading that project, and I have uh, led uh, several other uh, technology development projects of uh, for ESA and for, for the national purposes. And uh, the experience has been uh, that, that, that always, uh, no matter how good plan you make, how how careful you are, it ends up to being at least twice as expensive and, and last twice as long <laughs> and twice as much work. This is the practical experience. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, we would be very, it would be very exciting to finally witness yeah. the launch. Yeah, because it pays to it pays do everything time. well. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there's no room for mistakes in space. Yeah. <laughs> so are you planning an event for this launch, a public event? Uh, yes, we, we do. Uh, I personally will be at Kuru. And uh, some other persons in the in the, the, the highest level of of the uh, of the um, instrument team in Finland, but uh, there will be a, a lot of uh, 
people from our side uh, available. Uh, we plan uh, an event. Uh, the final place is not decided, but uh, the plan is to arrange it at the observatory, University of, uh, University of Helsinki Observatory, which is now a, a visitor center for astronomy and, and uh, a museum. And uh, we, we plan to have uh, an event uh, exactly when the, when the launch will be. Uh, in there or somewhere else and let you know then uh, the plan is to have this launch uh, on the 19th of October but uh, it is possible that it will be shifted yeah. and and uh, then we will let know that's why we have not uh, sent any announcement of this event yet mm-hmm. because still time but we will have an event for general public at, uh, at the um, Think Corner Tiedekulma mm-hmm. on 25th of September uh, from 5 to 7, I guess it was. Yes. So welcome there before to hear about Pepe Colombo and Six. And, and then, then the, uh, we will let, let you know when the actual launch event will mm-hmm. take place. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When and, we'll, and where. And we'll announce it as well. Yes, of course. We will we will keep updating the description box yes. of the of the episode. Yes. So if you're in Helsinki, come to to the public event on Beppe Colombo and next month to the launch public event. Um, thank you very much, Johanny, for this first part. But now it's time to play the game. Oh. <laughs> We're going to play Cytagory now. Uh, Stephanie, which uh, tell us how it works and what the categories are for this episode. Um, so we have two minutes to answer five categories after we generate a random letter. And the five categories for this episode are one, satellite instruments. So anything to do with satellite instruments for obvious reasons. The second is things you find in Mercury. The third, science to do in space. So all the different um, science that you can get from uh, working in space. Four, advice for writing funding applications since you, honey, you have so much experience um, getting funding for all the projects you've been doing. And the fifth is materials and designs of space instruments. Yes. So if you could click here to generate a random letter. Q. Q. What? <laughs> this is horrible. Okay. <coughs> so what was the category? Um, so these are the categories. These ones. Uh, okay, I start the timer now. Satellite instruments. Three, two, one... Now we have two minutes. Instruments. Uh, quasi-static something. Uh, satellite instruments, correct to satellite instruments, is qualification model. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to build a qualification model. Yeah, that's true. Okay, model. What do we have in Mercury? That's on Mercury that starts with Q. Oh. Uh, find, uh, that's Q. Oh. <laughs> we can go to something at science to do science. in space with you. Q is a very hard. Yeah, thing. it's a yeah. Yeah. It has what to be did... followed by a U and all this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Advice for writing up on applications. Does it? Well, it has to begin with the Q. With Q. Yes. yes. Yeah. Advice for writing quality write a quality application. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Quasi-symmetric magnetic field. Oh, <laughs> oh that's true. 
yes. It's actually the correct uh, term. Yeah, exactly, because it, yeah, because it's stronger, it's stronger on one pole. Yes. <laughs> so oh, that is a very good one. <laughs> so that With the field is not, it's not uh, the same. Yeah. Um, how about advice for writing funding applications? Um, questions of the science you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, but I questions. Just, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Good, good question points. Like yeah. that you have to answer. Like good questions. Science uh, space. Mm. Which one? This third or? Uh, oh, we can do any of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, just uh, yeah, it's just a mixing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Quasi uh, periodic oscillations okay. of stars. Oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, and we got three out of. Wait, actually, you did all of them. Wow, we got we got three out of five in in, in two minutes. That's great. We cook you. Wow. Advance. Oh yes, and for the yeah the oscillation uh, on stars, actually, we we had some mention for uh, last episode, like yes. for example, these pulsars that yes. that, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, periodically mm-hmm. give signals. Yes. Uh, well, unfortunately, the time is over. Okay. So we have to yeah. go to the yeah. next or round. We can do one more round. But we, we have two more, so it's fine. Yeah. If you click again, C. C. Okay. Sure, better letter. See. Better letter. Uh, timer starts in three, two, one. Now. Uh, so now I have the same, but we we'd see. No, we we can uh, all uh, of them. Uh, Satellite instruments. Um, counter. Composition. Ah, uh, compact. Compact. Yeah, they need to be compact. Mm. Ah, right. Yeah, that's compact. true. Yeah. Uh, uh, time to think uh, on Mercury. Car- Is there carbon on Mercury? Carbon. Yes, carbon. Yeah, carbon. Yeah. Science to do in space. Uh, mm. Chemical composition. Uh, yeah, chemical composition of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of everything. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Advice yeah, for writing yeah. funding application. Would see. Co- coherent. <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. I mean, yeah. it has to make sense, you know. It yeah, yeah. They need to be coherent. And now this is more for you, Johanny. Materials and design of space instruments. Already mentioned. Already mentioned. Carbon, Com- carbon. <laughs> Just this materials and design. Oh, uh, yes. uh, yeah, carbon is. There are a lot of uh, space instruments done with carbon. Yeah. So we can put the same. Yeah. We carbon. find it on Mercury and on satellites. Carbon is a very important material. Mm. And how much time do we have left? We have 30, 30 seconds. seconds. I have a question yeah. about Mercury. So you said there's an atmosphere. How big it, how how big or how 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 do you call it? how high is the atmosphere? Thick, Thick. Thick. right? That's it. Yeah, yeah. It is it's only a few centimeters. It's actually uh, the atmosphere, it's called atmosphere because the this there's are uh, very strong particle bombardment and radiation bombardment on Mercury. And uh, therefore, uh, it ionizes the matter on the on the surface, and there, there will be lightweight elements evaporated 
mm-hmm. and, and and that's why the, the, there is can even be oxygen because the uh, the, the surface material contains uh, uh, this kind of gassy gaseous mm-hmm. element, mm-hmm. and and uh, the, the, it's just just the atoms that are uh, evaporated due to this bombardment of radiation, uh, and and. Uh, and there's continuous bombardment of radiation. That's why that why there is a, you can call it atmosphere, mm-hmm. but it's actually evaporated particles due to this bombardment okay. that is there. Okay. And then then uh, when I explained about this, uh, there was this uh, idea of making ground-based observations of Mercury and to see these uh, evaporated particles to to sort of get more knowledge on the on the uh, composition of the surface right because then you know from the amount of the strength of this absorption you can derive the amount of of, of the density of this gas that's really interesting Evan is very interested interested about this because she's an atmospheric scientist you yeah. should just abandon Earth and study the atmosphere of Mercury. But that is so interesting. Atmospheres in space are much more cooler than on Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go over the last round. Yes. Unlock the phone, is... Stephanie. Ah, this is sorry. V. 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 Violets. Finally, we have the V again. Satellite instruments. Uh, <clears throat> oh, wait, wait, wait. First the timer. Yeah, done. Okay. Now. Oh. <sighs> Uh, things you find in mercury very small atmosphere volume what volume oh volume yes Uh, things you find in very small very very thin atmosphere very thin atmosphere very thin atmosphere yeah nice in space Nice to do in space could be uh, uh, um, Venus. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Venus measurements. Uh, yeah, for Pepe Calabar, we do uh, Venus flyby measurements. Oh, ah, that's nice. true. And then we can talk about <laughs> a bit about it after. Yeah. Because also it connects to the science anecdote that will end this episode. Yeah. Um, Advice for writing funding applications might be uh, valid science. Yeah, valid. Valid science. Valid Valid information. Oh, yes. Valid information. And now materials for instruments or design. Design. Uh, uh, Design. uh, Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> crickets, crickets. Something like, uh, that they have to be very practical over over being pretty. Yeah, very practical, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit cheating, but... <laughs> it's fine. The word yeah. very is very important. <laughs> uh, and, and again, we finished again. Oh, we're, we, we were doing very well. And the timer is finishing now. Because awesome. just before the podcast we were talking, you were mentioning that we can actually save some money and that the instruments don't have to be pretty because they're just going to space. Yeah. So we just have to make them useful. 
yeah, yeah, working. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> I do think that, I do think that the, the, a lot of spacecraft are very pretty, by the way. Like, for example, Voyager, it's so pretty. Yeah. Oh, you see, oh, Voyager. Voyager is with me. Oh, we could have used Voyager. Satellite, yeah. Voyager yeah. is my favorite satellite. But, Johanny, tell us a bit about this Venus flyby. Yes, there will be actually two flybys of Venus. First one is uh, 2020, and the other one is, I guess, about a year or two later. Uh, we have already made a plan to what to do uh, when we fly by Venus the first time. We had to do it because it requires uh, plans several years ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then that is the first active uh, time, actually, of Pepicolombo mission. Before that, there's just testing of whether the instruments work. Mm-hmm. But during Venus flyby, uh, many instruments make uh, measurements. What we do uh, for, with six, uh, we uh, uh, observe uh, the uh, X-rays emitted uh, when uh, Pepicolombo goes close to to Venus. Not all instruments can actually make measurements uh, uh, during the flyby because some of them are, are inside this package, <laughs> the transfer module, and uh, mm, yeah, yeah. so they, they they cannot see see the space. But there are a few instruments can that can do. And, and six X-ray, one of the six X-ray detectors can 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 see see the sky. Oh, okay. And uh, we turn the uh, turn the big alarm also, and it looks at the atmosphere when it's uh, in in the in the pericenter. The orbit is in the pericenter, as closest to Venus, and and uh, we try to uh, see actually uh, if there happens to be a strong solar event, there there might be some some uh, X rays from. From from the atmosphere of uh, Venus during that time, and and of course uh, we make uh, particle measurements with with the particle uh, detector system of six at the same time to find out about the uh, the the sort of uh, uh, magnetosphere also of of Venus and and uh, and the particle flux. There in at at Venus, so we, we hope that there will be a strong will uh, there will be a strong activity in, of the sun because uh, it completely depends uh, whether we get any anything. Uh, it depends on, on on the solar activity. I mean, all this uh, this called space weather mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. it it is it's connected and depends on on the, the on how active sun is uh, whether you can actually have anything detected. Mm-hmm. But if, if we have, we are lucky. We can we can get information of the Venus atmosphere from from the X-ray uh, X-ray scattering and and then X-ray fluorescence uh, and, and 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 the particle uh, distribution sort of in situ, in situ measurements of the particles uh, are possible when we fly by Venus. That's that's going to be a very very exciting moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, the um, idea of uh, making the uh, Venus flyby X-ray measurements was uh, from uh, an Indian scientist. She's actually maybe your age, approximately, and uh, just uh, had her PhD just recently, one or two years ago. Shuama 
Narendranath mm-hmm. is her name, and uh, he's, she's in my team, a co-I. And she, she had this idea about making the X-ray measurements, and uh, she had in her team uh, another person who made, uh, made uh, we use in simulations of the space radiation and the effects of space radiation, we use the, uh, the CERN program called Giant 4 to simulate uh, what kind of radiation we actually can can see somewhere. If you know the radiation environment, and then you can propagate it to materials and anything to the detectors to actually, or to an atmosphere to see what kind of uh, secondary radiation it, it causes. And uh, so we use the, the same software as, as the uh, particle physicists used to, to interpret the CERN <laughs> measurements. <laughs> it's very useful for space. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's, uh, that's why it is possible to uh, predict, make predictions if you know the spectrum of the sun that comes uh, uh, or hits the, uh, the um, Venus atmosphere, then you can, you can then derive the, the interactions and the emissions. What's the time window for this flyby? So how long would you have to do this measurement? It is... Uh, it's very fast. Uh, we have uh, made a plan for uh, 18 hours. Mm. So it's 12 hours ahead and 6 hours afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets quickly further away, but uh, when it approaches, we start early. Oh, will maybe Colombo have cameras, like just for pictures? Like, for example, probably the most recent flyby that we have had was the one of New Horizon through Blue, um, close to Pluto, and we got these beautiful pictures back. Will maybe yeah. Colombo also have a normal, like, yeah, normal yeah, camera yeah, for yeah, pictures? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. It does. It has... Uh, uh, p- uh, I think there are cameras for every wavelength. <laughs> I mean, there's even a you know a radio experiment. So it's the radio waves. Then there is uh, the infrared cameras, and then there are uh, optical cameras, and then there is ultraviolet cameras, <laughs> and there is X-ray cameras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So so and and uh, yeah yeah. It's also a neutron spectrometer, so it uh, can, uh, in addition to these charged particles, electron, protons, and uh, we, can, we can measure neutrons. Mm. Well, there are, there are really so many instruments on this space. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, going yeah. to be great, I'm sure. Um, Imani, thank you very much. And now, uh, this is not over. We have the last part of this podcast, which is the science anecdote. So at the end of every episode, we tell a small story that can be con- connected to our episode. So today I decided to talk and this connects completely to what we were just talking about the Venus flyby. Uh, I will tell the short story of Mariner 10, which is the very, very, very first spacecraft that got to Mercury. So actually Mercury is the solar system, planet in the solar, inner planet in the solar system. So the terrestrial planets. Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars, is the one that has been explored the least, but that's exactly for what you told us before, because it's so close to the sun, it's so small, and it's, it's hard to, to, it's expensive to send something there. So we have had only two spacecraft up to now. One is Messenger, uh, that Tiwani has told us about already, and the first, the very first one was Marina 10, 
which was launched by NASA on the 3rd of November 1973, and it was the very last uh, spacecraft in, Mar in the Mariner program, but also it was the first spacecraft that used the, uh, an interplanetary gravity assist uh, maneuver, which is exactly this Venus flyby. So it was the first spacecraft ever to use a Venus flyby, uh, which means that it went, uh, it used the or the gravity of Venus to change its orbit and its velocity, and that's also that also connects to the fact that spacecraft uh, have to be uh, cheap in terms of their prop propellant. And that's why gravity assist is a very, very important uh, feature that we can use to change velocity or course or orbit for free, basically, just using the gravity and, of, of, of a And Pepe Colombo will use it many times. Yeah, exactly. It will use it once for Earth, twice for Venus, and six times for Mercury itself. <laughs> yeah, Pepe Colombo will use a lot of them. That's great. Uh, but but and this is where all the circle connects. Uh, the person who made the calculations for the uh, for the gravity assist maneuver for Mariner Ten was Giuseppe Colombo, called Pepe Colombo, who was an Italian uh, physicist or engineer, and yeah, he's the guy who made these calculations, and that's where Betty Colombo takes his name. So this mm -hmm. spacecraft that we are sending next month to Mercury. Yeah, nice. exactly true. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful story. <laughs> um, oh, one last question before saying goodbye. Um, you know, Johanny, that every spacecraft has uh, like the primary mission has a certain amount of years that normally they are always extended, but there is at the beginning a primary mission time. Uh, so since Pepe Colombo is taking seven years to get to Mercury and then stay in orbit, what's the primary mission time after reaching orbit of Mercury? It's, it's, it's one year. Only one year? Yeah, and there's an extension of one year, so it's the two years at most. Okay. Yeah. Let's hope that we will get enough measurements from, from one year. <laughs> no, I don't or think it, it's, it, it's about uh, uh, funding and it's, it's about uh, endurance of the spacecraft and the instruments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, will be, it will be a very long, long journey. And, and, and you know, it, is, it will be in the in very hot environment and yeah, there, is, uh, there will be a, a very heavy radiation. We hope that we can withstand the one year even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's hope so. Let's hope so. It's always good when we have a large amount of data for, for science. Uh, thank you very much, Johanny. This was very interesting. And, and everyone, stay tuned and stay excited for, for, uh, for, yeah, for the launch. Like Europe and Japan are sending something to Mercury. This is so cool. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. And see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye. The science